Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Athletic. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham SC. My name is Sammy James and we are brought to you by The Athletic UK. The international break, the first international break of the season is coming to a close, which means the league is restarting for all and Fulham will be back on the road up to Blackpool. I don't think it's going to be the weather that everyone dreamed of when they saw this one come out on the fixture calendar, but nonetheless, it'll be a great trip for those that make it up to the northwest. A nice day by the seaside. Does doesn't matter if it's rain or shine really does it and here to discuss that plus also we're going to be hearing a bit from Kevin McDonald later in the podcast when Peter caught up with him a week or so ago and we have a Paralympic gold medalist on this podcast today Thomas Young we're going to be speaking to him he's a Fulham fan uh, he won gold in Tokyo on the track and we're delighted to have him on the show later today but before all that let's introduce our guest it's the Thursday Club so it's Peter Rutzler hey Sammy how you doing Fine, thank you. And Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. So are we? We all good? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Are we excited for a trip to Blackpool on Saturday? I can't go. It's my grandparents' birthday, but Jack and Peter, you're both going to be you're going to both going to be heading up there on the trains. Yeah. Uh, just before we started, you were you were discussing the mad dash that's going to be back to Blackpool Station after the game. So yeah, are you looking forward to a trip by the seaside? I am. I'm looking forward to a nice day. I, I wonder if uh, anyone's taken a boat up since we're all talking about a certain boat already leaving the harbour, and I wonder if any have heading up the Thames and, and around. <laughs> if anyone is taking a boat to Blackpool, like let one give us a shout because that's ridiculous, and two, um, good luck. Um, I'm yeah. really looking forward to this. It's my first proper away of the season. Obviously, it was a Millwall, but um, first proper one for Kingmate Huddersfield. So, yeah, I'm really, really, really excited. Um, get back on the trains. Get back on those early morning starts. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot to look forward to here, and and hopefully, we, as you say, Sammy, you can continue that winning streak to start the season. Well, before we do all that, let's have a little bit of a roundup of everything that's happened in the international break. And we should probably start off, Peter, with what happened last night in the, um, the USA-Honduras game. Uh, Ream didn't play. Robinson played 45 minutes. And Anthony Robinson, you can't stop scoring the lad, can he? You can't. You can't. Goals and assists just flying out at the moment. Um, a, a lovely equaliser for him last night. Came off the bench. Didn't start, which was a little bit of a surprise, um, considering that he, he got an assist. Uh, for the US against Canada on, on Monday, I think. Um, but yeah, his his strong start to the season continues. And I think for the US, I think there was been a lot of sort of uncertainty about him. I think a few were still to be convinced. Um, but it sounds like from his international break, he's carried carried over his form for Fulham. And uh, and it was a big goal as well uh, last overnight uh, on uh, on Wednesday to Thursday. Um, uh, they went on to win 4-1 against Honduras, but it's been a mixed sort of start to their uh, World Cup qualifying so much 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 needed um, and for him you know we've, we talked about him already uh, since, since the season started and, and the impact that Marco Silva's had on him 
um, quite clearly he's, he's added those bits to his game that I think everyone could see that he he needed to do, particularly in the final third. He's being very effective. I think what was interesting again about the goal he scored, he's in the box, he's in he's in the six yard box pretty much. Um, there's a real attacking um, impetus to him and and the way he's playing, and that's playing to his his best attributes. And he's doing it on the international stage, he's doing it for his club, and um, it can only be can only be a good thing going forward. And and yeah, bows very well for when, for when he returns. Whether he's available for this weekend, we'll have to see. I mean, obviously Tim Ream didn't play, so maybe that helps. But um, that's quite a sharp turnaround. So I'd be surprised if he does play. Yeah. And, and speaking of Tim Ream, thank you so much for all your lovely words on the uh, big interview that we did with Tim early this week. Honestly, um, the feedback has been awesome and all the credit has to go to Tim because just, just what a gent, like what a lovely man. I thought he was so engaging and charming and, and also it was so revealing as well, the character behind him and, and, and everything that he's experienced at Fulham, an extraordinary sweet sequence of ups and downs for Tim. So yeah, thank you so much to him for, for giving up his time. And if you haven't listened to the interview already, I mean, I'm surprised you're listening to this and not having listened to the Tim Ream interview, but there may be a couple of people in that Venn diagram. Um, then, then definitely go and check that out. Um, Jack, uh, a man that you'll have watched uh, plenty of this week um, and not supporting him will have been uh, Alexander Mitrovic. Uh, he played for, for Serbia against the Republic on, on Wednesday. Um, he, he seems to have overcome the injury uh, that he, he seems to have got earlier in the international window and, and seems to be back fit and firing, although he didn't manage to get a goal against the Republic. No, um, he was he was good. We were a little bit concerned about the amount of strapping on his knee. Um, there was some pictures that came out and he looked very heavily strapped on, on his right-hand knee. But um, yeah, he, he managed 90 minutes. He, he played particularly, didn't play particularly well, but he did okay. He was denied a couple of goals by uh, man of the moment, Gavin Bazunu. Um, so he, he actually, you know, had a couple of good chances, and and Kibzuna made a couple of good stops from Mitrovic. Um, he had a good physical tussle with Shane Duffy, who was returned somehow from the dead, um, and in a, in a man we thought was finished as, as as returns to both Premier League and international football with a vengeance. So um, yeah, no, um, he played he played all right. It wasn't the you know, the best game by by Serbian standards. I think they would have expected to have won it, um, but they it was it was a kind of goalkeeping masterclass that that kept them from winning the tie and then a bizarre own goal. So I think Mitrovic would be relatively happy with with his display. He um he was in the right areas. He, he got shots away, got shots on target, and just didn't go in for him. But I, I, there was nothing to heavily report that would worry you. Aside from he took a little bit of time on the touchlines. Maybe this is sort of my medical ignorance, but what was what was that stuff that he had on his cheek in the Luxembourg game? Because obviously came out and that was the thing that was the worry but then you just saw these pictures come out of him with like I don't know chalk or something I, clearly there's some value to it and there's probably maybe it was a cream I don't know but it just it looked like gladiator style just sort of like being pulled off the pitch after a head knock and he's just got this strange substance on his face it was just I've strange. seen a few people look like that on a Saturday night <laughs> I just assumed he looked he was lying on the touchline Oh, maybe. Oh, yeah. Maybe it was the pain. I thought. I thought it was being applied to him. Yeah, I just assumed he was lying on the touchline when I saw that. So, um, so perhaps. Person. Yeah, exactly. It just looked like someone had thrown a bag of talcum powder at his face, just like, like surprise. <laughs> Um, another man who did pick up an injury, Peter, and this will be uh, potentially you know, a worry for Saturday. We don't know too much at this stage. Uh, is Harry Wilson uh, yesterday in the Wales Estonia game? Uh, not just a bad result for Wales which possibly dents their chances of finishing top of the group which was a slim chance anyway and um, they drew nil nil with um, Estonia who are bottom of their qualifying group but yeah Harry Wilson went off with a, with a head injury which, yeah. is, which is not great. No a bit, bit of a concern there um, 
obviously Wales drew drew with Estonia and he, he went off after about half an hour. Um, he had a knock, played on, uh, and then couldn't continue. And he was uh, Rob Page, the Wales manager, said afterwards he was complaining of blurred vision, which doesn't bode well at all. Um, particularly if it's a concussion, and if it is a concussion, then there are some some quite strict guidelines. Uh, they are guidelines, but um, you know it, it could be up to as many. If it is a concussion, as nineteen days would be required for him to sit out. So we'll find out a little bit more once Marco Silva speaks whether he's got a, a clearer update and and what those protocols will be and and how serious it is. But that will be another blow. I mean, Harry, Harry Wilson's played so well in the games we have seen, but to have then another little patch of matches where he's he's not involved will be. Uh, a, a big, big disappointment. But um, yeah, frustrating, frustrating international break for Wales as a whole, actually. And also, Wilson missed a penalty, didn't he? Uh, so yeah, did yeah. so did uh, so. Obviously, Mitrovic missed one for Fulham before he we went out, and now we got Wilson missing pens. I hope we don't start going over this again because it's uh, it's, it's, it's it's afflicting this plague. Yeah, it does feel a little bit deja vu, doesn't it? And if Harry Wilson's um, caught the bug, then I think we're in all sorts of trouble because I thought he was safe as houses when it came to any um, set piece. Uh, Jack, any other headlines of note from from the international break? Uh, I know that um, Bobby Reid travelled out with Jamaica and also I saw that it was Seri versus Anguissa over in Africa. Yeah, the Bobby Reed one was was pretty weird because it you know they 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 came back and we we thought this was going to be pretty pretty exciting Jamaica team I think for lots of us Bobby Reed playing off Mikel Antonio there there was a lot to like about this Jamaica team and then they got absolutely battered by Panama um, and we were all a bit like oh God we we thought Jamaica were going to you know go and make the difference there but they they didn't and it was a it was a real shame because. Well, I thought I just thought I had a funny feeling this team was going to be a little bit different and and really and have a good go, um, but but it just turned out that they they didn't really it didn't ever really work um, for them. So so unfo- that's unfortunate and a little bit sad, but um, alas, we we didn't get to see it. Um, was it Cameroon? Or was it Seri Viangis? It was uh, Ivory Coast v um, Cameroon. Do we know what yes. took place? Yes. Oh, okay. P- Peter, please educate us. All over this one, all over Seri Viangisa. Uh, to finish 2-1 to, to Team Seri. Uh, Seri played most of the game, then was subbed off. Angisa played the, the full 90. Obviously, Cameroon are hosting AFCON, so it's uh, these are important games uh, for Angisa and his team. He's, as we found out last year, he's an important part of, of what they're trying to do. And um, But no, for, for Jean Seri, it's another another positive positive trip. Um, he only played in the one game, same as Neskins Cabano, who's playing uh, against Benin for Democratic Republic of Congo. Um, and yeah, it's those red list red list restrictions made it quite difficult. And I, and I do wonder, you know, speaking of Jamaica, how much of an impact that would have had because you know, obviously they they look like they're building an exciting team for the World Cup, but then obviously it was disrupted during this break. With that team, though, the game. team for Jamaica played the one that played and lost three 0 to Panama was pretty much. No, but yeah, the, of the course, it, that's what I mean. It was a strong team, but at the same time, if your if your team has been disrupted during that period, it's it's not mm. like you've got too much time to work with each other. So. Um, we'll see. I mean, they've still got a bit of time, haven't they? And it's, I think it's four that go through. I mean, the fourth gets a playoff place, but there's still, there's still time to recover. So they got a good uh, win. They got a good point against Costa Rica yesterday, uh, which will keep them in the hunt. So it's so a we'll good see point. Okay. Now. It's, it's interesting because obviously with the, these breaks, you've got three games in this two week spell, which is just, which is just seems so much. And obviously they're, they're playing catch up a little bit with the qualifiers and, and everything else. But it does, it does feel really quite sandwiched. And it'd be interesting to see what, what the likes Marco, Marco Silva obviously we've seen the the the, the international disputes about Brazil and, and the South American sides it really does feel like a competing interest at the moment and I know I know Jack you're a big fan of international football in particular but it's 
it, it does feel like a really congested schedule right now. And I, I think from, you know, of course, players want to represent their countries, which is why we've had the, the sort of disputes and why they wanted to, to go out when they can and avoid these quarantine periods. But at the same time, it's just piling on minutes upon minutes at the moment. It's an interesting one on Seri because that's the first time he's played for his country for maybe two years, I think. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, the last time we saw him play for the Ivory Coast was maybe, uh, I think it was the AFCON um, in the middle of 2019. So he's been he's been out of the team for a fair while. I think he was in a squad at that point, but but didn't make any minutes. So for him to be back into the side and, and, and back playing again is something that I think we could all get on board with. I imagine that's a, a massive boost to him. And also the fact that he's doing that while playing for Fulham, I think in the championship is, is a good thing for us because it means that he is getting the recognition and applauds on an international stage, even when he's playing in a league that perhaps you know, he didn't, he thought he'd be, he'd be doing better than. So that's good. And the Turkish window is now closed. So he's definitely not going anywhere. That's the, um, that's the important thing to remember. Um, I think just on that international point, Peter, you're absolutely right. I love the international break and I still feel like this one has been incredibly stressful for a lot of people. It has felt like a, a really weird period of, of kind of indecision and, like lack of clarity about exactly what's happening. And look, the fact that there are these protocols, the fact that there, there is still these COVID bubbles is probably not helping. Um, I, I think that's the main source of, of kind of anger and, and acrimony, I suppose. And you look at what happened in Argentina, Brazil, um, just to kind of push you in a, in a direction of this is all a bit mad, you know, and now the Argentinian players aren't allowed to come back to the UK without spending some time in Europe. And it's all a bit like, whoa, what's going on? So I agree with you. I think this international break, not only is it felt early, the, the first one always does. The first one always feels like it's been sandwiched into the start of the season. Normally that's fine because you're just like, oh, it doesn't matter. They'll go and they'll play. But this year with the bubbles and with the red lists and all sorts, I think it's felt more acrimonious than perhaps others have. And I suppose that's adding to the tension a little bit. I just wonder, so, sorry to just carry this on, I, I just wonder if um, if it would have been worth maybe people, like heads getting together and just condensing the schedule and changing a little bit, whereby maybe the club season's just run through and then you just have an international window that's extended, like you have like a month of it and you don't have that sort of travel. And it could be quite exciting to, for be like a little mini tournament before the actual event. So Yeah, I mean, I guess the, the flip of that is that you know how much social media and, and, and kind of visibility means to clubs these days. To be out of the picture for a full sort of two, three month period, I imagine wouldn't go down that well for clubs. I, might, I think there's there's merit in the idea of maybe doing this in like November, squishing the two international periods into one and doing like a five day three-week international period rather than two 10-dayers. Um, but yeah, I can't imagine the clubs would be too pleased about not being part of things for two, three months. I think they'd, they'd be worried about losing relevance. Um, I think the same I think the same the other way, though. Even if you condensed it into you know, two international breaks into one, I think from a spectator's point of view, I think that's a great idea, Jack. I wonder if the clubs would just be like, hmm, what about the players that don't go on international break and basically they have to have a, a mid-season break? I imagine they'd probably love it but i think the clubs would have, would have something to say i mean look someone's come up with the great idea of hosting a world cup every two years jack and i, and I think not having look, it. i'm not having it i don't want anything to do with it i'm out goodbye you started this in your last album i'm having nothing to do with it see you later i think get rid of the three pm blackout and put world cups every two years and i think i think you fixed football <laughs> i think you fixed football um i am joking before someone clips this up and has a go at me uh right let's come on to the blackpool game on saturday then um someone tagged us in this tweet um 
Brett Pund, thank you very much, slash not thank you very much. This is one of the least favourite tweets I received this week. Uh, from the Championship Chats podcast, sounds like a belter. Um, if Blackpool failed to beat Fulham on Saturday afternoon, it would be the first time since the 2014-15 campaign that the Seasiders have failed to win any of their opening six league games. Uh, to which it's just all replies from Fulham fans going like, give them the game, give them it, it's fine. Then we might as well not bother going to Blackpool because this feels like... Fulham at the run busters coming up the M6 and then fixing everything for Blackpool. I mean, if you look at the form table, this shouldn't really be a contest, Peter, but the name of this podcast and what we know from Fulham, when there's a big high with Fulham, there's always a crashing down to earth. <laughs> that, that is that is the way it goes. Um, it's hard to see though. I mean, maybe that makes it worse. Maybe maybe we're a bit more blinded yeah. by, by what, what's coming and, and you've just shown us what's going to happen to Sammy. Um, Maybe. I mean, what will be interesting is just how, how Fulham's set up, um, what the team's going to look like. There will be changes. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who sort of made an impression during these couple of weeks. Uh, obviously, Rodrigo Muniz is one. He's come in and, and he's now training with the team. Uh, I don't know if he'd, he'd come in straight away. And we, we presume that Mitrovic is okay, barring cheek, leg, other other ailments. Um, and then obviously there's Nat Chalabar, there's Dominguez Kina, um, the, whoever comes in in defence. I imagine Joe Bryan might, may get a start. So once you, once those changes come in, maybe there's that little bit of uncertainty. But considering the depth in the squad and the changes that have already been made this season and the seamless way that players are coming in and out, it doesn't really seem to be too much of an issue. And 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 to be honest, I think considering that Silver and his team had about what three and a half weeks of preseason, four weeks I think before the season started, this, the, these couple of weeks would have been very very useful in that sense as well. So we'll see. I mean, Blackpool haven't had the best start. I mean, it's a couple of draws, three defeats. Um, the one thing that's been notable, I think, is that you know last year they conceded I think the least, the fewest goals in in uh, in League One. Uh, they've looked a bit open, which is a bit uncharacteristic for them since they've come up. So. Um, I'm sure Neil Critchley we will have been working on that. He's a highly rated coach, obviously former Liverpool 21 manager. People watching him uh, and how well he does this year, and and you know they brought in some interesting players to to sort of bolster their their attacking firepower. So maybe I mean we saw them take a point off 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 Bournemouth. Um, uh, I mean that that's that's Bournemouth, but um, there, there's a team with a bit of spirit there. So we'll see. But it's hard to it's hard to look beyond Fulham, I think. <laughs> So, I mean, I think it was, you know, a, a decent start of the season to get that draw against Bristol City. And then they went down 2-0 to Cardiff, lost to Coventry. And then it started to improve, I think. And you've seen that, you know, that 2-2 with Bournemouth, as Peter mentioned. And then the the kind of unlucky loss to Millwall. I think it's worse on paper and worse in this league table than it perhaps actually is for Blackpool. And Shane Lavery has been scoring goals. Obviously, he went away on international duty for Northern Ireland and scored against Lithuania. So he's a man who will be looking to kick onwards as well. Um, and I, I think that you look at this Blackpool squad and there's some really interesting names in there. Dujon Sterling's obviously the, the probably the headline name on loan from, from Cobham. Um, Tyrese John-Jules from Arsenal. There's some old heads here as well. Richard Keogh, the old warhorse from Derby. And, and Gary Medine, who's capable, more than capable of scoring goals in this league. There's also the, uh, the old James Husband, who used to be here at Fulham. So there's that one to to look out for as well at the weekend. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's, it's an interesting one because I think they're better than their league form gives them credit for. That said, this shouldn't be 
an issue for Fulham. This is a team that who Fulham are on paper better than and should be able to be. So, so we get to that point where you have to kind of just sort of, yes, you can say that the Blackpool have been unlucky. Yes, you can say that they are better than their league form suggests. But on the whole, that doesn't change the fact that, that Fulham should be beating them. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's that kind of element of, of keeping this together and, and putting it in perspective. Now, obviously, we have to see who turns up for Fulham, but on the whole, you know, the squad even rotated should be strong enough to go up to Bloomfield Road and get a victory. I think coming out of August and with the transfer window now shut, we'll probably get a clearer picture of what certain teams are like. I think Blackpool have had a few injuries as well since the start of the season. So you'll see sides like that. I'm Dijon Sterling, as you mentioned, Jack, I think he was a deadline day arrival, Jordan mm. Gabriel, Owen Dale, I think they also brought in. So with a lot of teams now, we'll get a real idea of where they are in terms of their quality and their ability. And, and it's almost, I wouldn't say it's a new start, but it, it, it is a juncture. There's a bit more time for managers to work with their teams. Uh, and we get that sort of post-August review. Now, we, we spoke at length about how important August was for Fulham on the basis of how they retain their players. And they've done that. And you can Fulham have come out of August with a really strong squad and, and a really good points total as well. Uh, it couldn't really have gone much better, bar, you know, obviously beating Barra. But um, there'll be a few teams that now, once they've sort of, for want of a better phrase, you know, got their, got their shit together, um, will we'll see more from we'll see a better sense of who they are and where they're actually going to finish and I think with Blackpool as you say Jack we haven't really got that impression just yet so yeah we may not necessarily see a team that hasn't won five on Saturday it should be should be an interesting contest all right, well, we'll see what happens. Three o'clock kickoff against Blackpool on Saturday. I believe it's been selected for international TV coverage. Um, I don't know how that affects people outside of the UK. It might mean that you can just switch on the telly and watch it. Um, probably not the source for this, but I just saw it on Twitter. It might be a bit easier for people in the UK to follow it as well, uh, should you wish to do that kind of thing. All right, we're going to take a break. And afterwards, we're going to discuss Kevin McDonald. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Part two of the Fulhamish podcast, Sammy James here and I'm joined by Peter Rutzler. Hello. And Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. Okay, so Peter, you did an interview on The Athletic UK, which of course, as I always mention, you can subscribe to and get 33% off the regular subscription by going to theathletic.com forward slash Fulham pod. And one of your most recent uh, pieces, Peter, was uh, an exclusive interview with none other than Kevin McDonald, which um, must have been a a fascinating chat. We've got a little bit of audio uh, to play for you. But yeah, what, what, what a scoop because um i think if you put all-time cult heroes for the last kind of five to six years i think for many people kevin mcdonald would be at the uh the very very top yeah absolutely and i think considering what he's been through these past 12 months it's it was good to catch up with him and just to get his sort of his take on how on, on how it's all unfolded really and, and particularly the last few few weeks um obviously he, he's come out of his kidney transplant uh, and he's been going through that recovery process, trying to find the next the next steps. Uh, as we'll see, you know, 
and as he said in the interview, he he talked about wanting to get back playing if he can and get a couple of years in. Um, after what has been quite a uh, a stressful time, obviously he left Fulham for for one thing. Uh, he's, he's, he talks about how you know initially his his kidney transplant, which was which was donated by by his brother Fraser, you know, it was rejected and he had to stay in hospital for you know for a lot longer than uh, originally anticipated. He's also um, welcomed a, a new little one, uh, baby Layla, who was born in July. So all of this was going on at the same time. So it was great to just be able to sit down with him, talk it through, talk a little bit about Fulham as well um, and, and where he's at on, on, on his recovery. And, and I know that, you know, Fulham fans are, are all really, really eager to see how he's doing and wishing him well. And he did what he did say throughout the interview, you know, how, how grateful he's been for, for the support he's had, not just from, from people in the club, but also, you know, fans in particular and, and then the messages received. So, um, yeah, no, it was, it was a really, really enjoyable interview. Kevin's always a really good chat. So, um, yeah, I, I hopefully we'll, we'll have a few clips here that can, uh, give a little insight and then the rest is, uh, is on the uh, Athletic UK website. Well, let's hear some audio then from your chat with Kevin, Peter, uh, a word of warning that throughout the audio uh, at various points, there is a very chirpy bird that's keen to share his opinions uh, throughout. Not so bad that you can't hear what Kevin's saying. Uh, you'll hear it later on though. He's definitely audible. First of all, let's hear Kevin talking about his recovery from having that kidney transplant. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, I feel good. Um, getting better each day it's been obviously a long process but it's um, yeah we're we're heading in the right direction now which is the main thing and we say it's 12 weeks on now from the actual operation which seems 12, week wise. 12, 12 weeks is a long time it's like it's, you know what I mean it doesn't feel like that for me but yeah 12 weeks so um, I mean it's um, it was obviously different the first initial part the first month was hard because my body was trying to reject the kidney in quite a significant rejection which was unexpected for Obviously, being a, a live transplant donor, my brother a good match, and etc. And you know, so that was a bit of a shock to the system. You know, you're normally in the hospital for four days, and I was there for for 18 days. So um, that was tough, definitely. But I had my faith in all the surgeons and the doctors, and so on, and so on, and they were, they were brilliant, to be honest with you. So once we got out of that initial stage and eventually got the discharge, that was that was brilliant. And then since then, you, you know, you still get checked twice a week for the first for the first while, and over time it eases down that. But I mean, it, it's got. You've kind of got to move on and try and live on, live your life as normal as normal as you can. Obviously, we're in isolation just now, but like live as live the live the best you can, and and that's kind of the way it's been since we got home. Well, it's great to hear that Kevin is finally on the mend. It sounded like a difficult operation. It didn't go as smoothly as hoped, but yeah, I think we can all thank God that. Kevin came through it and is, is, is out the other side of it now. And uh, it's great to hear that he's on the road to recovery so much so that he is planning a return to football. And here he is talking to Peter about how he plans to do it and where he plans to start. I mean, listen, I'm not going to go and play in the Premier League and stuff, but you know, do I feel like I could play a championship right at this moment in time? Absolutely. You know, and, and, and if there's options there, then, then, we'll, then we'll look into them. The thing is, I've, I'm doing my running and stuff now and it's great in it. And, it's got to a point now where I'm like I'm not running I'm not going to a park and I'm running I'm just kind of running on the streets do now I'm doing sprints at like 10 metres 20 metres sprints so I can do them here but at times I, I need to get back in and train that's what I need to get to soon so I need to get a guard sorted for this area first and then get back training so once, once we're out of the isolation that's the aim probably go with the 23s I spoke to Wiggs about it and then get back training so once, once we're out of the isolation that's the aim probably go with the 23s I spoke to Wiggs about it and just go back to the 23s, do a bit of fitness and, and, and actually get back training with them, light training and kind of ease back into it because that's where I'll, 
I'll know of me to play football or not. Well, hopefully wherever Kevin does end up, I'm sure we'd all agree that it would be amazing to see him back on a pitch after everything he's gone through. It almost certainly won't be at Fulham. And, and if it was at championship level, uh, it would be amazing to welcome him back to Craven Cottage. Um, let's come on to the way that Kevin was released by the club and how it happened. It appeared quite harsh given everything he's done and was about to go through. This is Kevin's reaction to it. I can understand where people come from and my, my family thought the same. Um, and a lot of people probably said it, but for me, I know what football's like. I've, I've, I've played it for years, you know what I mean? Like, I know how it works and when you've got experience, you know how it is. And yeah, they released it at that time, but it was just on, on like a on like a on like a, a, a released list as such, which probably would have shocked a lot of people. Which oh, that was a bit a bit harsh and stuff. And then obviously done the video, which was which was great, obviously as I said. But that's how football works, man. And I feel it is brutal to be honest with you. It is, and, and there's no I would class it as there's no loyalty in football. There's re, there's rarely there's much loyalty in football these days. I do understand it in a way. I I, I do, and I also. I also don't understand. I also think, right, okay, it's, it's easy to pick up the phone and say, listen, you, you were great for us, you know, and etc. And, you know, hope, hope everything goes well and you're recovering, you know, we'll, we'll see you in the future. It takes two minutes of your life, of course. I, 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 but at the same time, I get it. A club trying to, maybe this season now, like, like for a previous, oh, they're in a transfer window, I can, they're not going to get in touch now. But, you know, maybe middle of June, July, mm. pick up the phone and say, listen, right, okay, you know, hope you're good. and no, um, a pleasure. Thanks for everything. You know, I think pro- I think someone should have done that. Yeah, of course. Mm. I know it's the same for Betts. I sort of bet- I had Betts over here a couple of times, and he's exactly the same. And he's not, obviously he's not no transplant and stuff, but he's been a great seven for the club, better than me. He's been there for years and years. He's seen it all. So that's part of life, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Peter. This was something that came up quite a bit on Twitter, um, taken from the piece that you did on the Athletic, which was the way that Kevin was notified about his release and in that interview that we did with with Marcus Bettinelli, he said the same. They said they weren't really enamoured with the way that Fulham notified them that they kind of weren't part of their plans going forward this season. I think you also hear a lot of Kevin in, in that clip saying, well, football's brutal, that's how football works and that he almost seems to be a bit like... Resigned to it. Yeah, resigned to it and not that bothered about it because it's what he expects. But also, I think a lot of people will listen to that, myself included, and think, can we not treat some of our, you know, star players, people that have really put in the years and graph for Fulham and, and, and really helped Fulham become what they are today by winning the promotions that's given us the money, the platform to be able to build what we are doing this season, a little bit more graceful exits? I mean, you get the sense of that from how Kevin is as a person, you see how he talks about his um, his kidney transplant as well, the way he sort of <laughs> almost breezes over things a little bit, um, sort of takes it, almost presents it as taking it in a stride. But I think, I think you know, there is an element there where there is that brutal side to football, which we all know, but you, you don't want, you don't want players coming out and, and feeling that situation. And clearly there was an unhappiness there at, at, how, um, at how he was released. That said, you know, he also pointed out in the interview that a lot of people have reached out to him. He's obviously been working with the 23s and he's, he spoke about Shahid Khan reaching out and, and Tony Khan reaching out. And so there's, there, there, there is an element there of the club doing that. And obviously we saw the, saw the, uh, the way that they were presented with the, the video and everything else, which he was grateful for too, but not everything. I don't think um, he was particularly happy with. And, and we do get, I guess, get a sense of that. And 
that that is a disappointment. Um, I wonder too. I, I, obviously, with the changes that happened in the summer, how much that may have affected things. But that shouldn't really be an, an, an excuse, to be honest. Yeah, I was going to say. You know, it, it does feel. You know, when you're speaking about these things and saying, you know, someone should have re- reached out. He said, but. To be fair, you know, that he said the Khans had and that, you know, he speaks to them and, and all of that. And then suddenly you're like, does this come back to the manager? And then you flip that to, at the time, the club was basically in cold warfare um, with Scott Parker over the whole, is he leaving, is he not thing? So uh, there is there is that element too that, that kind of sticks out. But you're right, Pierre, that shouldn't be an excuse. And if he feels that more people should have reached out and, and, and spoken to him, given what he achieved with the club, what he you know led the club to and the amount of blood, sweat, toil and tears that were, were poured out for Fulham Football Club, then he's completely right. Um, and whoever you know, whoever he's he's referring to there and that he wishes had got in touch. Um, I feel you're right, Sammy, in terms of exits could be a little bit more graceful um, and and maybe finding out you've been released by putting your name on a release list is not quite how we should be handling things. Absolutely. It's hard from a fan's perspective to exactly know what's behind closed doors because to us, what the website puts out is the club. And if the club sends out really nice videos and messages for Kevin McDonald, that's what we see. We don't know, you know, whether people sometimes are talking to the owners. Are they the club? Are the managers the club? Uh, is the CEO the club? Is the media team the club? It, it's all one thing. And so I guess that's what it's always confusing for us. But clearly it seemed like there's been a similarity between um, Betts and, and McDonald. And, and that does feel disappointing and um hopefully though um kevin mcdonald um will be either on a pitch or in a dugout very very soon i mean do you think that's where where do you think his future lies um peter i I guess it all depends i think towards the end of the interview he talked about not really knowing where he'd be at until he starts playing again um he's obviously doing a lot of uh he's he's got tailored pre-season plan um he's been doing sprints running he says he feels absolutely fine uh, but once he gets playing and there's contact, it's it's a different thing. You know, he's he was looking at trying to get a, a specific guard, like a, a guard for his kidney that he can wear when he, when he plays. Um, he's hoping to go back into to Fulham and do some some training work with the twenty threes. Um, so it, it's still an unknown, but it's something he wants to do, and he feels good in himself, and that he will be able to do it. Um, you know, he, he feels like he's got those those years in him, and as long as everything continues to go well and his recovery continues to go to go well, he's now out of isolation which he's been in for, for three months, which is not easy for someone who's uh, as uh, outgoing as Kevin McDonald, for sure. Um, then, then you know, we'll, time will tell. But he, he, I think what was interesting is this period for him was one where he saw what retirement could be like. So it's not something that all players will really think about that often. Um, but for him, it was almost sort of forced upon him a little bit and he, he could sort of see what life can be like beyond football and he did that coaching with Fulham's under 23s, which he absolutely loved. And he realized that coaching is definitely a pathway he, he wants to pursue. So he's in a good a position in that sense. But obviously, we hope that he can get back playing and, and, and get a few couple more years in. Yeah. OK, well, one more clip here from Kevin, uh, just talking a little bit about his time at Fulham. It was, was, the first three seasons was brilliant, to be honest with you. Was, I, I loved every minute. I, the, the players that were in the squad at that time were was a close-knit bunch and everyone everyone enjoyed each other's company. We had a, a good social society, not just you know going out and having a drink, golf, whatever, like anything, uh, going out for, 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 for meals and stuff together. We had a, a, a great squad and I think that showed, to be honest with you, I think it was the, the, you know, for me personally, I think the, 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 the team then was, we were, we, were, we were brilliant at the time and even we went to the Premier League, <laughs> we stuck with that team, that kind of got us promoted. 
which obviously spent 100 million and went down why not stick with the same team and go down do you know what I mean that's the way I see that one and we didn't really get the chance the fact that me, TC and Steph never played together in the Prem was was mind blowing for me to be honest with you um, I don't know if Slav was told what to do or whatever I don't really know but listen I think if, if you asked 100 people what would be the outcome if, if you played the team that got promoted or the 100 million team I think it would be a close match. We probably would have, we probably would have stayed up. Not maybe not stayed up, but we would have given a better a better fight. I'm 99 sure of that. Well, as we mentioned uh, at the start of this section, if you want to read the full Kevin McDonald interview that Peter penned a couple of weeks ago, then head to the Athletic app. And if you want to subscribe, it's theathletic.com forward slash Fulham Pod. Right after the break, we have an actual gold medalist on Fulhamish. <laughs> Part three of the Fulhamish podcast. It's Sammy and Peter here. And I mentioned it earlier on. I think this is the first time we've ever had a gold medalist on Fulhamish. Uh, Introducing to the podcast, Thomas Young. Welcome to the show. Lovely to have you on. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, while Fulham were beating Stoke 3-0 in our last game a couple of weeks ago, I imagine you were a little bit distracted and maybe weren't keeping both eyes on what was happening at Craven Cottage because you, sir, were winning the 100 metres gold in the T38 category at the Paralympics in Tokyo. A massive congratulations. How was it? What was it like? It was a close race, but you just got yourself into that gold medal position. Must have been an incredible feeling. The whole experience was fantastic. So before my race, I was in Yokohama for like a week and a half doing the holding camp. So once I got into the village and could, and was getting close to my race, and every day got more and more exciting. And on the day of my race, as you said, it was a close race and we expected the race to be a really close race. So to go out there and get the job done was an unreal feeling. Thomas, you did superbly well. It was fantastic to, to see you win gold and, and bring it home. Uh, how was that, that sort of experience like for you? Because it was a bit, it was a bit different. Was, was this your first Paralympic Games and, and what did you make of it all? I've done like European and World Champs before, but yes, it was my first ever Paralympic Games. So I've got friends who have been to multiple games. So I've spoken to them. I've, I've spoken to them and they've like, you know, gave me advice along the way, you know, and but the whole experience to go, to go out to Tokyo was, um, unreal even though of course with the covid protocols and it probably would have been different to other games uh, and 10.94 seconds was the was the time that you that you did in in tokyo which was was a personal best for you it must be quite hard having to must ramp yourself up to a certain moment in your life like right okay you're training for years and years and years and and, it, and it's gone in in 10 seconds what is that kind of training process like to make sure that you're like at peak performance for for, for the mo- for the moment that really matters me and my coach have a plan for the entire year to, to peak at the right time so this year was all about making sure i run as quick as i can when i'm out in tokyo so I've raced in Poland this year for European champs and I've done several races back at home. But the main idea was to go to Tokyo. And if I can PB one time this season, we both wanted to make sure the PB race would be in Tokyo. What was it like, obviously, because the games were delayed by a year? So did that sort of help you? Did you get more extra time or was that more of a challenge? I guess because you you gear up for 2020 and then it then it delays further to 21. So how, how was that? I felt ready back in 2019 after the World Champs, but as a, as a young athlete, I think, and with the games being delayed, it's only helped me, I think, you know. So for some older athletes, the delay, the delay was probably not so good for them, but 
with me being so young, I think looking back now, the delay wasn't probably worked out better for me because it gave me more time yeah. to work my start, work my finish and improve my race because we had an extra year to uh, do that. Well, and when the margins are so fine as well, I think uh, all that extra little bit of tweaking is probably, as we said, it was a really close race, uh, is possibly what, what got you the uh, the colour medal that you were looking for. So, I mean, Thomas, you're 21. Um, the, the, you've got so many, you know, years of, of sprinting ahead of you. I know it tends to be a younger man's game, but you've got to be targeting Paris and, and LA, surely. I'm even looking at Britain, to be fair, 2032. So I want to... Get at least four Paralympics done, and then everything in between too. So, like the Commonwealth Games back in Birmingham next, back in Birmingham next year, and um, go and defend my European titles and get some more titles too. Uh, Thomas, we can we can see the, your your uh, Fulham curtains behind you there. You're definitely a, <laughs> a diehard fan. So, you're originally from Croydon. So, how did it start? How did the the Fulham interest start? I lived in Croydon for three years, so I moved up when I was really young. So I think I, growing up, like when I was really, really young, I never really supported the football team. So when I got to be around eight and started to love football, I just chose Fulham really because all my friends from up here either support like the big Premier League clubs or like Leicester, Derby or Forest. So I think I just chose Fulham because I was from London. Yeah, yeah. And what, what kind of memories have you got of what are your favourite uh, Fulham supporting memories? When I first supported Fulham, it was during the 07-08 season. So I think it I think it kind of surprised a few people, you know, because back then we wasn't fighting relegation. So staying up then and then for the first season, coming seventh, you know, in the Prem in 08-09 and then, you know, going through that brilliant run in 09-10 in the Prem and in Europe, you know, they're really nice memories and then also the promotion season when we beat the lower Wembley yeah the playoff final is always a memorable one and how, how, what have you made of this season and how the team have started with Marco Silva in charge have you been able to keep keep tabs on everything that's been going on even when you've been out in, in Tokyo or has it been quite difficult so far it's looked exciting I've not really managed to watch many games of course because I've either been racing back in the UK before I flew to Tokyo or I've been in Tokyo and with time difference I've been really hard to watch games but I managed to watch the Huddersfield game where we won 5-1 so I had to keep quiet in my hotel room but <laughs> yeah that was a really good game to watch and the team looked really really good and um, I think you said to me um, that you're heading up to Blackpool on Saturday I am yes yeah. so it's my first game since the derby game before Covid so I'm really I'm really excited to go back up there and you know Watch watch my first game in a long time. I mean, I went down to the cottage yesterday as I was in London, and it was so nice just to be back down on Stevenage Road. So when I'm actually watching Fulham on Saturday, it'll be a great feeling again. Will you bring the gold medal to Blackpool just to uh, for 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 people to to have a look at? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not too I'm not too sure yet. To be fair, I might bring it in the car, but you know, <laughs> got to be done. Got to be done. Whether it comes into the game, that's probably enough. That's probably another uh, thing. And one thing that I'd love to know, I, I'm going to put it out there. I reckon Anthony Robinson's probably the uh, the fastest member in the uh, the Fulham team at left back. Peter might correct me here if he can think of someone <laughs> faster. Kenny Tete probably gives him a run for his money. Could could we maybe one day see an Anthony Robinson versus Thomas uh, Young race at, down at Motspur Park? I'd pay money to see <laughs> that. Hope, 
hopefully one day that'd be really exciting you know so hopefully one day we can get that done yeah 100 percent. i mean maybe you know uh, did you play football yourself is there is there any chance of uh, you flying down the wing for for the mighty whites one day <laughs> maybe a, a, a charity match at craven cottage I, I imagine i wouldn't be i wouldn't be massively keen to mark you let's put it that way <laughs> No, I love playing football. All my friends play football, but you know, because I'm now running, I'm not actually allowed to, you know, play football like at a competitive level. So I can play just like in regards to the fun, you know. But uh, yeah, since I've became an athlete, I've not really played competitive football. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, one day we will make the uh, the Jedi versus Thomas uh, race happen down <laughs> at, at Motswa Park, and um, I'm going to be taking bets. I mean, my money is on you. I guess, I guess you are the Paralympic athlete uh, gold medalist, but you know, I think Anthony might push you close. He's a, he's a, he's a fast left back. So, um, Thomas, um, it's been an absolute privilege to have you on Fulhamish. Um, enjoy Blackpool on Saturday, um, and yeah, we'll see if the gold medal comes out at Bloomfield Road and uh, thank you for chatting to Fulhamish break I'll see you around thank you well, thank you so much to Thomas for chatting to us there. Great to uh, hear about his love for Fulham. And of course, congratulations again for winning that 100 metres uh, in dramatic style in Tokyo. And, and I imagine we're going to be hearing a lot more of him. Uh, and great to see uh, an FFC man winning a gold medal. Uh, incredible. He showed us after the chat, actually, uh, he put his gold medal to the screen. It just must be the coolest thing that you can own. Also, uh, big congrats as well to Chad Paris, who I know uh, was at the Paralympics uh, for Australia, the White Tiger. Uh, he came fifth in the 100 metres, T13. Big love to Chad. I know he's going to the Blackpool game on Saturday as well. So so massive congratulations to him as well. Um, Jack, I, I tried to do a bit of research last night I, I put it in a, the, the Fulhamish WhatsApp group um, you know any Olympic gold medalists that have uh, that have played for for Fulham a couple of names came up but I imagine there are more out there yeah uh, Pierre Wome is the one that stepped out to me um, obviously had a had a magical kind of time um, and and won the well, won the gold medal in 2000 with Cameroon. Um, so, so that's a, that's a cool one, but yeah, he was the only one that, um, I thought was, yeah, he came to Fulham after that, obviously, and was basically the utility man of all utility men. Um, so shouts out Pierre Wome. I hope he's doing well. Yeah. I guess the other one that uh, I don't know if it was actually, I think just after he left Fulham, but Carlos Salcedo also won uh, a gold medal for Mexico uh, at London 2012. And he finished playing for Fulham in 2012. So I would guess that they didn't quite overlap. So Carlos Salcedo, technically not an Olympic gold medalist when he was at Fulham. If there's any others, any other Olympic gold medalists that have played with Fulham that we've missed out other than Carlos Salcedo and Pierre Wome, then, uh, then definitely let us know. But um, Thomas uh, is definitely uh, on that list. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for, for chatting to us this this afternoon and that's all for today's podcast a little bit of a Blackpool preview uh, great to hear from the big man Kevin McDonald himself and then yeah Thomas just there um, but all remains to be said is thanks to my guest today Jack Collins thank you very much thank you for having me Sammy as always uh, have a nice time in Blackpool on on Saturday I'm, I'm extraordinarily jealous I'm, I'm excited excited uh, and if you're on those trains or if you're in Blackpool come and say hello yeah, and uh, Peter, have have a nice trip up to the up to the northwest. Uh, any cans on the train, or keeping it keeping it to a chai latte? No, always, mate. Always cans on the train. Always cans on the train. <laughs> Ready for <Good> work. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. Well, have a lovely weekend uh, wherever you're going to the game or not. And fingers crossed we can get three points on Saturday. Jack's going to be hosting the podcast on Sunday with all your Blackpool reactions. So I'll be back on next week's Thursday Club. So have a lovely weekend. Come on, you whites. You whites.